welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and we're so pleased to have you with us. How are you going today? Really good, Robbie. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, uh, here's a question for you. What? Yep. Why are you going so good? Ready? Go. I'm going so good because I had dumplings today, and it was amazing. Oh, yes. I had dumplings as well. Oh, because you? you and I went out to lunch before we, we came did. into the radio. So that was really good. <laughs> I really enjoyed the dumplings. Here's a question for you. What is your favorite and if you're listening in right now and you want to text in, we'd love to hear what your favorite foods are. What's your favorite international cuisines? Top three, go. Asian, Asian, and Asian. Okay, can you specify where in Asia? That's a huge region. Okay. <laughs> Vietnamese, Malaysian, and Chinese. Ooh, nice. Mm. Do you have any specific dishes? Uh, in the Vietnamese, I love a good pho bowl. Oh, yes. Same. There's the noodle bowl as well. Mm. And the little sauce that comes on the side, um, that fish sauce that's mixed with, um, a, what is it? It's garlic and, um, oh, it's just goodness. It just <laughs> garlic and goodness. I'm pretty sure that's what garlic, it says on the ingredient sauce, list. lime juice. Um, Garden goodness. A little bit of sugar. <laughs> garlic goodness. It's, gar- it's goodness. <laughs> it's, but it's really good. And it comes in all um, uh, South Asian let me think. Where's my where's my map? So it's like Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. They all have this like little condiment that comes on the side. It's like the sauce. I love it. They that sounds it great. Everything. So that is why Vietnamese is number one. Malaysian because they do the spicy curry. Oh, that's so and good. And with the roti oh, and the naan bread. Very, oh, very so good. good. And so they're my, truly Asia. They're truly Asia in Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. my favorite cuisines, my top two are Mexican food and Indian food. Because I, uh, well, as a vegetarian, which... I mostly am most yeah. of my life now anyway. So, <laughs> so am I. The, uh, India is the best place in the world to travel for a vegetarian because they have just such incredible variety. This is true. And I like a lot of hot food. Yeah. Um, Mexican and Indian both have a lot of chili and a lot of spice. So you like the so, spicy. Um, I do love the spicy. I love it. It's good. That's super good. <laughs> I don't know why that was on my mind. Probably because we had some great dumplings for lunch. That was really good. And this week, in fact, our, at our church, we did a healthy cooking demonstration. Shout out to our friends Tracy and Tong um, and Lala for, for helping us out with that. And uh we made dumplings. It was epic. And then I went home and made dumplings. So that was really good. And then we had dumplings today. And then we had dumplings today. So Monday dumplings, Thursday dumplings. It's My wife had leftovers week. on Tuesday that were dumplings. I've been dumplings all around. I love it. Anyway, we're not going to be talking about dumplings all day. So hopefully that didn't <laughs> bore you too much. But we'd love to hear what your favorite foods are. But we have a great show lined up for you without any more dumplings or any more dumpling talk, hopefully, unless it you know just comes into my mind. Um, but we're going to be looking at the next chapter of the book of Philippians, chapter three. And we're going to hear from our good friend, Caitlin, who's going to come and share with us a bit of a story about an answered prayer. And it's going to be a great time. So we look forward to sharing sharing that with you. Stick around. It's going to be a great show. This is Evan Craft. There's a name that can silence every fear. There's a love that embraces the heartache, the pain, and the tears. Through my faith and my doubting, I know one thing for sure. His word is unfailing. His promise secure. Don't know I'll start again Everything will be alright Whole world's in his hands Your whole world's in his hands In the darkness, in the trials He's faithful and he is true The whole world's in his hands You don't know I'll start again Oh, oh, oh Everything will be alright 
it's gonna be alright But my circumstances say I won't last through the night I need your word to hold me now, need you to pull me through I need a miracle, a breakthrough, I need you They say you hold the whole universe in your hand But my world's falling apart like it is made of sand Am I small enough to slip through the cracks? Can you take my broken pieces and put them back? Give me faith, you believe you are on my side Open my eyes and see you working in my life Let the past remind me you never fail And tell my soul it is well Y todo va a estar bien Everything will be alright The whole world's in his hands The whole world's in his hands In the darkness, in the trials He's faithful and he's true Te confieso a corazón abierto Que todo es muy incierto en este desierto Mi vulnerabilidad está al descubierto Siento que mi barca está muy lejos de su puerto ¿Por qué será que ya no sale el sol en mis días? ¿Por qué mis noches son tan frías? ¿Por qué será que siento que me falta algo? ¿Por qué este camino gris se siente tan largo? Sé que está sobrando aunque no te sienta Sé que está sobrando aunque no te vea Sé que voy a salir de esta odisea Sé que voy a ganar esta pelea Sé que va a cesar esta marea temporaria Que en ti yo viviré una vida extraordinaria Y aunque no puedo entender Me consuela saber que Todo, yo sé que Todo va a estar bien Todo va a estar bien Everything will be alright The whole world's in his hands Your whole world's in his hands In the trials, he's faithful and he's true. Your whole world's in his hands. It's all I started yet. Oh, 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 everything will be alright. Everything will be alright. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 everything will be alright. Oh, todo el mundo en su mano está, todo el mundo en su mano está, todo el mundo en su mano está. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Faith FM Radio, and we're about to do our weird and wonderful world segment. However, before we do that, I just want to do a shameless plug because at the end of the show, we are going to have our question of the week portion, and we love to hear from you. So if you have any Bible questions, questions about God, spirituality, or any of those kinds of things, could be a big question, a little question, we'd love to hear from you. You can text those in or call those in. And our first caller in today is going to receive, again, a free copy of 
of the same book we've been giving out for this whole series, which is called Acts of the Apostles, which is essentially a commentary giving extra background information, talking about delving into the story of the Acts of the Apostles, which includes the journey of Paul's life and ministry. So if you'd like to get that in, you can send your questions in by calling 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Awesome. So what do you have for us today, Tash, for our weird and wonderful world segment? Well, for the listeners, you can probably hear that my voice is kind of, uh, it's a bit gone at the moment. Um, I went to uh, Converge. And what's that? Uh, Converge is... It was a, it's like a camp for young adults from 18 to 30-ish something. I just fit the they all They always add the ish at the, the end ish. for the people who are outside the age bracket, the one in that are too old. I might be part of that ish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm part of that as well. And that's okay. Um, but because it was such a great time, we had speakers, we had um, music, we had, think, like we had workouts and things during the day. Um, we tried to fit a lot of things in during the day, so there wasn't a lot of time for sleeping. And so what happened was, this is what happened to my voice. I've lost most of my voice. And that's okay. Um, but that is our weird and wonderful fact for today um, about what happens when you lose your voice. Oh, tell us more. And, and things that Tell us more. We've probably things. all experienced a bit of this before, but I'd like to know more about it. So some of the top things that can make you lose your voice is not enough rest. Really? Yes. Not sleeping. How about that? Yeah, not enough Legit. Sleep. Yep. Not enough sleep. It's not, not enough time enough for your, your vocal cords to recuperate. Yes, that's huh. correct. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. I would have thought yelling would have been higher on the list. The next one is yelling. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's number two. That makes me feel better. <laughs> so if you've been to a football match or a cricket match um, and you're wondering why it's a bit sore the next day, it's probably because you were trying to yell over the crowd or get your favorite player over the line. That's okay. Which, uh, by the way, isn't how that works anyway. But anyway, it's not how it works, but you can encourage. We, try. We, do, yeah. we do try and encourage <laughs> from the sidelines. It was a direct result of my cheering. That's what yeah. got it. That's why we won. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a direct result of the cheering. I should be voted MVP. Um, we'll leave that up to the, uh, <laughs> the people in charge of the sport. Okay, so one of the other reasons is also um, not enough fluids. Yeah, it's just not, not hydrating and uh, keeping your vocal cords hydrated. Um, there you so, go. Yeah. Wow. So one of the things that happens is um, your vocal cords, uh, it's kind of like a little tissue, like a muscle. And what happens is when when it's been stressed, it actually, there's a muscle that g- like goes over it and covers it. So it protects these little, this little tissue that's in your vocal cords. So it's not actually the vocal cords that are broken itself. It's actually the muscle around it protecting um, yeah, to make sure that you can speak. Well, that's weird. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that God's designed it in such a way yeah. that when one part is in, is in weakness, another part's strength, because that's what a muscle's doing, right? Constriction yeah. is, is, an, is a demonstration of strength, uses its strength to protect you in your weakness. That's cool. That's really cool. Huh. But I was thinking about, hey, are there some like things in, in our anim- like animal kingdom or are there things that, can, that have vocal cords that don't actually use them? That's a fair question. I never thought about that in my life. Because I was thinking, are kangaroos I on this to list? Talk. <laughs> kangaroos have got to be on this list. No, kangaroos definitely have vocal cords, but they use them all the time. I've never heard them make noises. Oh, you haven't seen? Um, what do they call them? The, I have no idea what they call them. The male, the boxing, 
Yeah, when he gets up on his hind legs. Yeah, I've seen that, but I didn't hear him making his chest, noise. But he makes this really. But anyway, oh, we're di- we're digressing. Okay, Tell us okay. more about this animal because we're going to run out of time before There's we hear. There's a few animals. I'm very some that live in the sea. There's a lot of that live in the sea that that have vocal cords. They don't have vocal cords. Oh, okay. But there's this one animal in particular that lives on the land. It has vocal cords and very rarely uses them. I know what it is. What is it? It's a giraffe. It is a giraffe. Because my one of my best mates, he loves giraffes and they're silent creatures. They are. They're silent creatures. And With another, really long necks. Another fun fact about giraffes. But the same amount of cervical spine. They have, yes, and they have the biggest hearts of land animals. That's pretty cool. Do you think that they're very friendly because of that? I think so. <laughs> Maybe you know how you have quiet friends. Maybe they're the ones that have bigger hearts. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. They just don't express it as verbally. Express it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But giraffe, they found that giraffes at night, they have this little hum. But it's a frequency that's so low that they had to had to do a few studies to find out. Wow. So they do use So they them. do use them, but just it's not audible to the human ear. It's not so giraffes aren't silent at all. They no. just speak at a register too low for us to hear. And only at night. And only at night. Maybe mm. they're just not. No, they're not nocturnal. I've seen, not them, nocturnal. I've seen them eating plants at daytime at the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fascinating. Yeah. So giraffes have the biggest hearts, have vocal cords, but very rarely use them and have the longest. What was it? The vertebrae. Well, they have the same number of spinal uh, verte- vertebrae in their in their cervical neck spine as as they would if they didn't have a long neck like you or me. I think it's seven. Yeah. Super cool. Well, thank you for those fun facts. This is Wendell Kimbrough, I am making all things new. And I saw the heavens open, for the former things were past. I heard my Savior singing, I have come for you at last. I will wipe away death's sorrow, you will no more cry or grieve. To the thirsty I give healing, from the spring of life come
darkness And the night will be like day For the Lamb in all His beauty Like a torch will light our way And the gates of that great city Never close to those who come Every nation brings its glory Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And just before we get into our next segment, I just want to do another plug for our question of the week. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions that you've got about God, spirituality, the Bible, etc. And uh, whatever those questions are, we'd love to hear them. And you can uh, send those in by calling 1-800. And I can't, I can't see it in front of me, Tash. You're going to have to help me out here. So that's 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Excellent. I got it. All right. So the first person who calls in is going to receive a free copy of a book called Acts of the Apostles, which talks about the Acts of the Apostles. So we'd love to hear from you. So we've got time now for our testify segment to talk about God's working in our real lives and, uh, Oh, I just want to welcome our good friend Caitlin onto the show. How are you today, Caitlin? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, thank good, you. Good, good. So Caitlin's been on the show before and shared a bit of her story coming to Jesus, and uh, we're super excited to hear from you today. I believe you've got a story about an answered prayer that you're going to share with us. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Now, I don't know, you, you seem to give me a bit of an indicator. You didn't want to talk about what you like to do for fun because it might be related to the prayer. I don't know. Was oh. that... No, not for fun, work. Oh, okay. What do you do for, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'd love to hear your story. Oh, what I do for fun, I go to the gym a lot. Excellent. That's all right. That's good. (laughs) She doesn't just go a lot. How many times a day do you go to the gym, Caitlin? Two or three. Oh, good on you. You're a fitness fiend. I love it. Awesome. So you do the gym. You also work uh, for the church. You are involved in youth ministry and uh, go ahead and tell us your story. We'd love to hear. Uh, about my answer to prayer? Yeah. Okay. Well, my answer to prayer happened quite recently. I actually got offered my dream job in the field of my study. Um, and so I love Ooh. working for the church here, but I um, have previously studied a Bachelor of Exercise and Sports Science, and I finally got offered a job in exercise physiology, somewhat out of the blue. Congratulations. Yeah, it was it was, it was cool. Um And I was really, really excited for this job opportunity. And I went and I did a two-day trial with them to see how I liked it and and everything. And when I went in to sign the papers, I felt very unsure, Um, even though I was really excited to um, start a new path and a new direction in something that I was really passionate about. I just had some reservations. Um, one of the things that was required of me in, in my new job would be to finish work 
around 7 p.m. on a Friday night. And um, during summertime, that's fine because the sun doesn't set <laughs> until about 8. But in wintertime, it's a little bit more difficult because the sun sets earlier and the Sabbath rolls in. Um, and so while I was going through that with them, um, they, I, if I told them about um, my beliefs um, and my values, and I said that I keep the Sabbath, and that's from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, and so I wouldn't be able to work later on the Friday. So I asked if I could start earlier and finish earlier. Um, and they were really open with it. They were like, yeah, no worries. We don't want to compromise your values or anything. Um, we can work something out. If, if that means that you start earlier, that's fine. We have uh, another person to cover your time slot over that time anyway, and they're permanent there. So, um, yeah, so that was really good. And I was really excited and I was very keen and they wanted me to sign the papers that day. And I just thought, um, I just needed to take a little bit more time because I tend to rush ahead when I'm excited and not really pray about it and not talk to God about it. So I went back to my car and I sat and I prayed and I prayed to God that if this is where he wanted me to be, um, that everything would go ahead well. But if it wasn't, that someone would have an issue with the fact that I couldn't work late on the Friday night. And um, I continued to pray that day and later about 5 p.m. that day um, I got a call from them again and actually the manager at a different gym, one that I wouldn't be involved with or working with, with at all, he had an issue with it and he had actually called them and they spoke about it and they said we're bringing this new person on and he had had an issue with it and so they said it was either I work that later or like I don't have the job so God really answered my prayer he um yeah <laughs> it just it made my decision very easy and it made me not feel um yeah I don't know. <laughs> that was my answer to pray really that's awesome you know there's something that I really love about your story and that's it's one it's very relatable in that a lot of the time in life we talk about these huge prayer stories we talk about that in the gap mm -hmm. um but it's, it's often the, the things that are day-to-day, -day, these decisions that come into our life that, that we need to pray about and have a conversation with God and ask for His direction. The other thing I love about your story is just you standing up for your convictions. You know, you're convicted about what God has said about the Sabbath. You want to honor Him. You want to enjoy that time with Him. And so that's more valuable to you than keeping your, your you know, having your dream job. And I think that speaks well of, of your faith in Jesus to provide for you. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Caitlin, your story. We pray that that's a blessing to all of you out there. And uh, this next song is by Josh Gales. Hold you with the right hand of 
when you think of studying nursing. Practical experience, a rewarding career, great employment prospects. When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey everyone, this is Lyle. And this is Minnie and you can join us every weekday morning for The Breakfast Show. Every morning we cover news that matters and study the Bible together. We also have heaps of great music and giveaways. So come and have a positively different morning with us. Every weekday from 7 to 9 on Faith FM. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're just about to get into our Bible study, continuing on in the book of Philippians, which is in the New Testament. And uh, before we get into that, just one more shameless plug for our question of the week. Before that, we're going to do some more shameless plugs later, because we want to hear from you guys, and we're super excited to hear your questions. And uh, you can call in with any questions that you have about God, the Bible, spirituality, etc. We'd love to hear from you by calling in 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or you can text us at 0491-064-669. And our first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a book called The Acts of the Apostles, which goes through the story of the early church um, and gives some commentary on the book of Acts, which also documents that in the Bible. All right, um, Tash, would you like to pray for us? We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get right into our Bible study. Yes, let's do it. Dear God, we just ask you to um, be with us now as we open your word and may um, may we find you in your word and may your Holy Spirit explain to us what is what is there in your word. Um, may it be a blessing not only for us, but for those who are hearing and uh, and a blessing to all those in our lives. In Jesus, pray, Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so let's do a quick recap. What can we remember from last week's episode. So last week we looked at Philippians chapter two, where my favorite passage in the whole of scripture is what gives a, a brief rundown. Tash, what can you can, re, what can you remember from that chapter? What I clearly remember from that chapter is let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. And it was talking about unity. It was talking about what Christ did in order for, for him to come down and be on our level, um, to be one of us and to make that sacrifice. Um, and, and who he was, um, not only in his humanity, but also in his divinity, uh, in the God that he was. Even though he became man like us, he was still exalted and he was still, um, he was still God. Yeah. I love it. So good. And I love what you said there about the mind, right? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then he explains what that mind was. Now check this out. The reason I think it's so important to remember the mind part about it is because of this. I'm just going to go through my Bible right now, and I want to tell you how many times the word mind comes up that I've got written down. One on the first page, and then we've got two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So at least 12 times in the book of Philippians, which is four chapters long. It's, yeah. it's a tiny book, two for, two, less than two pages front and back. The word mind comes up like 12 times. Yeah. Right? This is a theme. It's a motif that Paul is putting in there. He's talking about the mind. What does he mean by that? And we're going to dig into that when we get into it in this chapter. So we're continuing on in chapter three. Um, we've just talked about... At the end of chapter two, we've also talked about people who exhibited this this Christ-like mind in their actions. You had Timothy, who represented somebody who was faithful to the cause of Christ. You had Epaphroditus, a fun name to say, who also exhibited a Christ-like mind, and he was willing to risk his life even to the point of dying of disease if that was necessary for the sake of the good news of Jesus. And so he recommends these people. And then that brings us right to where we are in chapter three. So if you're following along, we're in the new Testament in the book of Philippians chapter three and uh, Tash, could you read for us verse one? Let's do it. Finally, my brethren rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, it is safe. Okay, normally I wouldn't stop after one verse, but I think there's some stuff in there worth commenting on. There's a few things in there. That okay, what jumps definitely. out at you? What's going on here? He says at first, rejoice in the Lord. Like, hey, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I like that. It's good. It is good. In fact, this is the most joyous of all of Paul's letters. We've mentioned it before that he's, you know, as opposed to, say, the book of Galatians, which starts with a rebuke and has rebuke all the way through it, and at the end basically ends with rebuke as well. Um, and rebuke, if that's an unfamiliar word, is correction. Um, in the book of Philippians, he talks about rejoicing a lot. He repeats it. We're going to see it you know, repeated in the next chapter next week as well. There's an important thing. There's an element of following Jesus that almost requires rejoicing. And I might, and I say that not because you should pretend to rejoice, but because when you truly understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you and is doing for you, the, the, the real appropriate response is joy, mm. right? Like you could not be loved any more than you were loved. It's mind blowing. It's just amazing. So rejoice. I love it. What else, what else sticks out in here? Anything else jump out at you? Um, that he writes tedious. <laughs> so for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, it is safe. I love this. Yeah. You ever, you ever try it? Like how many of you, when you're, you're growing up, your mom says something to you. She tells you the same thing over and over. She's like, take out the trash, do your homework before you can go out, clean to up play. your room, clean up your room every week. Right? Like, and it's tedious. It's tedious to say it. It's tedious to hear it. Yeah. And lest Paul come across as saying, oh man, you know, I'm telling you the same things all the time. He says, no, 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 no. He says, for me to tell you the same things, right? He says, for me to write the same things to you, it's, it's not tedious. He says, it's not tedious for me to repeat these things. He's like, some people might go, I've heard this before, Paul, we, we know this. He says, no, it's okay. It's not tedious for me to write this to you. And then he says something interesting. He says, but for you, it is safe. And I love this. And this is a super simple point, but I think it's incredibly powerful. Sometimes we need to hear the same message over and over and over and over again, because sometimes the message that we thought we heard has not sunk in enough to really count. And I want to put forward the idea that just like in school, repetition deepens impression. 
Mm. When you hear something multiple times, when it's repeated, it makes a deeper impression in you. Just like when you're riding a push bike on a dirt road, you leave a rut. The more people ride in that, the bigger the rut gets, the easier it is to stay in that track, right? Same thing with a four-wheel drive on a dirt road. And it you naturally go into the groove and that groove helps you around the corners, et cetera, et cetera, right? The point is when you repeat the lesson, you repeat the story, it makes a deeper impact on you. And I love this because Paul has just gone through what I believe to be one of the most profound and dense little pictures of who Jesus is in the shortest amount of space. But that repetition is something we need to hear over and over again. We need to be reminded that this is the mind of Christ. Because if I want to follow Jesus, the mind of Christ is supposed to become my mind. Mm. My mind is supposed to become like his. And so I love that. Repetition deepens impression. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? No, I just, I really like, I really like that it's repetition, repetition, repetition. It's also like you need to eat breakfast every day, even though you know this, that like the, the all brand, it doesn't taste always that good, but you know it's good for you because if you, it's good. I mean, because if you eat it, you're always regular, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Go. So it's no. like, oh, it's, it's Wednesday. It's all brand again, but that's okay. I can eat other things because I've eaten my old brand. Right. And, you know? and how does this relate to us practically in, in, as followers of Jesus? Yeah. Or someone who's seeking the truth? We need to continue learning those lessons of truth. Hearing the same stories over and over again doesn't, doesn't, you shouldn't get just forget about it because there's something new to be learned even when the 10th time, time you've heard it. And also sometimes the lessons that you think you've learned haven't sunk in enough to make a real difference in your life. And so if you're, you're wanting to know the truth, keep rereading, keep re-implanting that into your life. I love it. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read verse two. Beware <laughs> of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Let's read through verse six. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I am also circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness in which is in the law, blameless. Whew. Wow. That's quite a list that Paul writes there. What does he start with? What was that first line? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Oh, man. This is like the one thing that sounds harsh in this whole letter to my remembrance. Mm. But it's not written to them about them. What he's actually saying is he's saying something that I think, I think is just really challenging. Paul faced lots of persecution. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives a description of his life and like uh, it's, it's almost like a CV of persecutions. <laughs> and he talks about how he was persecuted by the Romans. He was persecuted by the Jews, seems to be persecuted by the weather, right? Like he's in a shipwreck. There's all sorts of things going on. And yet the one thing that actually hurt the most, he says, above all of these things is my anxiety for the churches. Right, he says that's that's more challenging for him than all of the persecutions he faced was the his anxiety for the churches. What does that mean? And I think it means his anxiety that those individuals in those those communities of faith that he had started, people who came to Jesus, that they were going to fall away from their walk with Jesus. 
And one of the biggest challenges that he had was people who came in who were false brothers and sisters in Christ. And what I mean by that is these were people who came in proclaiming to be followers of Jesus, and yet they fought at cross purpose against what the message of Jesus was. And so they were coming in and they were, they were trying to change the message and they were trying to revert the message to something that it wasn't. And they were trying to do this, uh, you know, he calls it the circumcision. So there was a group who was coming in saying, no, 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 no. You, you cannot be a follower of Jesus unless you become a fully fledged Jewish person because it's, you've got to be a part of the heritage of Abraham to be a child of Abraham. And Paul goes to great extent to say, no, 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 no. It's not about keeping the, the ceremonial laws. It's not about whether you're circumcised and it's, it's not about whether or not you keep the feasts. It's, it's actually about whether you accept Jesus as the fulfillment of all of those things by faith and let him be the, the driving factor of your life and fill you with the spirit and lead you in your life, right? This is super profound. That obviously doesn't get away with God's holy laws of, of moral standards, but the ceremonial aspect. And he's saying here, man, beware of these people who are going to come and going to try and convince you of a different good news than the one that we proclaimed to you. Mm. It's hectic, hectic. All right. So what else does he say in there? And he says a few things, but I, I'm, I'm just still stuck on beware of the dogs. Um, you know, when you get to someone's house and they'll have a beware of the dog sign. It's, 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 it's like Paul saying that to us. Like he's saying that, that this is the sign he's going to put up because there's going to be, it's like a guarantee there will be a dog on the other side of that fence. But he's just like, hey, um, this is a sign, like a physical sign, like there will be a dog there. Like be, be ready to be under attack mm. because when you're doing God's work, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a great point. And it, it, it's really a great point because, not because we need to be on guard against everyone and everything and, and be defensive and it's not that. But, but he is saying there are going to be people who come to you in the name of Jesus who are not preaching the truth of yeah. Jesus and they're going to try and mislead you. They might not even be doing it intentionally, but he says they're going to come. He says this is going to happen. Jesus said in Matthew 24, there will be false prophets. There will be false Christs. And he says, don't be fooled by them, right? And Paul's saying a very similar thing. Don't be fooled. He says, be aware, mm. beware, be, be at attention, be mm. sober-minded, and don't be led astray by a false, a false fake message that's not the true message of, of Scripture, the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. It's powerful, man. And then he goes on and he's like, hey, look, so these people who come to you and say, you've got to be like, you've got to be circumcised, fully-fledged, to be able to actually experience the salvation that comes in Jesus' name. You have to go on this ethnic um, boundary line. He says, no, 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 look, 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 I, if anybody has reason to boast about being a fully-fledged Jew, he says, me more than anybody. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, concerning the law, blameless, right? He goes through and he says all this stuff. Zeal, zeal, you want to talk about zeal? I persecuted the church of Christ because I believed it was against the message of Moses, but Turns out Jesus said I was wrong. So he says, man, nobody's got more of that to offer that thing than me. And then he goes on with this next passage. Let's read the next verse and then we're going to have a break here. So this is just in verse seven. But what things were gained to me, 
These I have counted loss for Christ. I love that, right? And we're going to take a break here in 30 seconds or so, but I love this because, and we'll reread it and talk about it more in its context, but his his end point of, look, I, I was all of those things and more. All these guys that are coming to you saying, this is what you need to be able to have assurance that you are saved in Jesus. He says, no, no, no. I had all of those things, but guess what? I count them all. Every single one of those things that I used to count as gain, he says, I counted as loss. Why? For Christ. Yeah. Because to have Jesus is better than to have all of those things. We're going to come back, touch more on that in a moment. This is Matt Minicus, Higher Ground. on the upward way new heights I'm gaining every day still praying as I onward bound Lord plant my feet on higher ground Lord lift me up and I shall stand by faith on heaven's table land and a that I have found The Lord plant my feet on higher ground My heart has no desire to stay Where doubts arise and fears dismay Though some may dwell where these abound But my prayer, my aim is higher To live above the world Though Satan's darts at me are hurled For faith has caught the joyful sound The song of saints on higher ground Lord, lift me up and I shall stand By faith on heaven's table
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and we're jumping right back into Philippians chapter 3. We're going to reread verse 7 and go on from there. But before we do, we love to hear from you, and uh, we just would love to give you an opportunity to call in with any questions for our question of the week portion of the show that happens right at the end. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And today's first caller in is going to receive a free copy of a book called Acts of the Apostles, which goes through and gives a lot more detail on the life and mystery mystery ministry of Paul <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to get your hands on that just send us in a question you can do so by calling in 1-800-324-843 or 1-800-FAITH-FM or you can text us on 0491-064-669 awesome alright we're going to reread verse 7 and we're going to go all the way through verse 11 but what things were gained to me these I have counted lost for Christ Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Awesome. Okay, so what's going on here? What jumps out at you? Nothing? Uh, no, the word count. Okay, go for it. Tell us a bit more. I just see the word count many oh. times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let's start, let's start with verse 7 again. But what things are, were gained to me, past tense, I have counted these loss. For Christ. I love this. I love that he says this. And then he goes on and takes it further. He says, Indeed, or certainly, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. I love this. I love this. It's so powerful, right? Like he says, I used to be in a position where I thought I was righteous. I used to be in a position where I thought I had it all together, that I was perfect, that I, I kept everything to the letter of the law and I was not guilty. And then he realized, he realizes, no, 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 no. What, what I had before that I thought was to my advantage, he says, no, 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 that, that was not to my advantage because now I've seen Jesus. And when I truly saw Jesus, I understood that what I thought I understood, I misunderstood, Right. And he goes on to essentially to say, look, everything that I had that was in my favor before, I now would consider that loss. And I'd rather have Jesus and assurance of his faithfulness and my trust in him and him giving me his righteousness and working that out in my life, through my life, by the power of his Holy Spirit, than any of the things I ever did or had before that I was doing on my own. Right. Like, and I love this because he, he's just identifying the importance of what did it, what, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It's not my righteousness. Mm. Scripture tells us in Isaiah, I think it is, he says, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I'm going to, I hope this isn't too uh, undiscreet because in the Hebrew, that's the word that's used for menstrual rags, right? So what he's saying is like, the, my righteousness, my right doing, my thing that gives me standing before God, my best acts, my best deeds, my best thoughts before God, those things that I think are great and wonderful, they're like dirty menstrual rags, like something that 
nobody wants to deal with, right? You know what I mean? Like that's it, it's very poignant and stark language that's being used there because he's trying to make a very strong point. And this is what Paul is affirming. He's, he's essentially saying, look, my righteousness is tainted. It's not righteousness at all. Christ's righteousness, Christ's righteousness is truly right. And he did the right life. He did the whole thing. I couldn't. And Paul's like, I was blameless concerning the law. And yet Paul was guilty of covetousness, right? Like, it's an interesting that when we have Jesus, it's Jesus's righteousness. He, he's doing the work in us. And it's through surrender and submission to him that that change begins to come about. The Holy Spirit, by faith in Christ, is the one who does the work in us to bear the spiritual gifts, right? To work in us to, to bear the fruits of the Spirit, So is what I'm trying to say, sorry, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things come by Christ's righteousness, not by our own righteousness. Yeah, we participate, we get to make choices. He says in the chapter before, you know, to will and to do, but it's God who's doing the work in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. So I love that. I love that. And that's, he counts it all as loss. I love that. And then he goes on, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make another geeky language point. You ready for one more? We're gonna go some Greek. All right, so check this out. He goes on, he says, look, for, for whom Jesus, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the swift one on everybody here. In the Greek, that word for rubbish is, is the Greek word for dung or feces. Now, you, you reread that passage and you figure out how strong of a statement Paul is making. He's saying everything that I thought was, was righteousness in me, he says, that's dung when it's compared to Jesus. Mm. Having Jesus makes everything that I thought my whole life was about and for all my goodness of myself, he says, no, 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 all that stuff that I gave up for Jesus is dung. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Wow. That's powerful. Like yeah. he's, he's using very strong language. Mm. Um, it's not, it doesn't carry across so clearly in the English translations, but it's very strong. Isn't that interesting? So he's making some poignant statements. He is making some poignant statements. I just want to add as well, because the, I said earlier, the word that stuck out for me was count. So he's using the words count, a cost, and gain. So if you think of that in, a, in business terms, um, we're looking to what what's financial security look like? What what are we gaining? What's um, what does our bank account look like? What is our super fund look like? Some of these things that we're we think are going to give us peace in terms of our family stability, our um, our future. But really, they're just temporary. The cost that we're counting is actually towards a temporary happiness here. But Jesus is offering an eternal, eternal happiness with him in letting him count the cost for us. Whew. I love that. That's exactly right. That's a huge point. Like, and what are we trading? It's not the stock exchange. It's right? not. No, he, yeah. says, he says, look, I'm trading the old thing, yeah. which leads to death, for the new thing which is life in Jesus. And I love how he ends it because he takes it exactly where you said, right? He says, if by any means, right? I, I would like that I may know Jesus and knowing Jesus is not just intellectually. Oh yeah, Jesus was a, he lived at this time. These are the prophecies about him. No, no, no. Paul's talking about experiential knowledge of Jesus works in my life, something real. And now my life is physically, yeah. 
actually different because of Jesus. And that's a journey. And we're going to find that out more in the next section we're about to start reading. But he says, and the power of his resurrection, I might know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. I'm going to suffer for Jesus, right? Remember, he's, in, he's riding from a jail cell to a group of persecuted Christians in Philippi. And he says that I might have the, the ability to have his fellowship in his sufferings. And then he says, and being conformed to his death, even dying for the sake of others, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He says, look, all of this stuff, I'm trading it all. And I'm trading it all for, you know, I'm putting it all, I'm paying cash, you know, so to speak. I'm paying with my flesh. I'm going to put it all out there for Jesus because I know at the end of the day, I get to be with Jesus eternally, which is the point, right? Resurrected from the that dead the to point. be with Jesus. That's what makes it all, all count and makes it all worthwhile. It's awesome. So good. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read on from verse 12. So not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press forward to the goal, I press toward the goal, sorry, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, there's so many good things to say about this. Okay. All right. So what's going on here? Give us a recap. Oh, my goodness. Um, no? No? Want me to give a recap? <laughs> I'll give a recap. All right. <laughs> just... So look, he, so he says, look, I'm pointing forward to, this, to this, this resurrection that's coming in Christ. I'm fellowshipping with him in the sufferings. And then he says, listen, he says, not that I've already attained. Look, I haven't already arrived at perfection. I haven't already achieved the goal, right? He says, I don't, I don't have it. I'm not, I'm not already perfected, but I press on. And I want that word to just like, those words just stick out in your head. Press on. Remember, he's, he's being persecuted. He's in prison for his faith. He's been whipped. He's been stripped naked. He's had all of these things happen to him for the sake of Jesus and Jesus's way of life and sharing that with people. And he says, look, I press on. And when I look at Paul's life, I think to myself, man, I'd love to be half as good a man as Paul, mm. right? And how many people who read the letters of Paul are like, man, I'm just, I'm nowhere near like Paul was. But what's Paul saying? He's saying, I haven't arrived either. Mm. So as much as I look forward to Paul, he says later to follow his example. And I look at him as a hero. He says, look, I'm, I'm still journeying too. Still journeying too. And I love yeah. that, right? Because I haven't arrived. I'm not perfected. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Because Jesus has laid hold of me that I may have life and have it abundantly and have it eternally in his kingdom. That's why Jesus has laid hold of me. And so I'm going to lay hold of him mm. so that I can lay hold of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it is being with him forever. And I love that because he says, press on. And I think this is such a huge point because it's, it's, it's active. It's intentional. It requires discipline at times. It's effort. It's pressing on. You don't press on when you're like going for a casual stroll down the street, down the block once. You're like, I just, oh, I was pressing on. Had to go for a hundred meter walk down the road, right? Like, for the average person who doesn't have any difficulties walking, that's, that's not a big deal. That's casual. But he says, no, I'm pressing on. You press on when, when life gets difficult. You press on when you're facing opposition. You press on when it looks like it's not going anywhere and you've got to keep trying to make it work. You press on when it's hard. And this is what Paul is saying. It's hard. 
and I haven't arrived and it's, I, I haven't been perfected. I haven't attain, attained all the goals in life. I haven't, but I'm going to press on in the midst of hardship, in the midst of persecution. I'm going to press on for the upward call of Jesus. I love that, man. And I love that he calls it an upward call. What comes to your mind when you say upward call? Just the song, actually. You know the song, I'm Pressing On The Upward Way? That always comes to mind when when I see this verse. I'm pressing on the upward way. What comes next? New heights I'm gaining every day. There we go. New heights. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So that's what I always think of. I don't know. And I also had a, a leg press because Caitlin, who shared her testimony earlier today, um, the gym reference. So when you do leg presses, you always have to, in order to gain the strength, you have to keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, it's it's a great point because you you gain strength by enduring difficulty, right? Yes. So, so if there's never any difficulty, if there's never ever any challenge, you don't grow. That happens on a physical level. If you never face resistance, your muscles never grow. They actually decline. Yeah. You actually lose muscle. So if your faith is never, is never um, pushed up against, yeah. if your faith is never challenged, your faith doesn't grow either. It's a similar principle, right? And he says, I press on. I'm in the, f- the midst, the face of persecution and difficulty and trial. So I push on. And by pushing on, faith grows. Mm. And I love this. Oh, this is so cool. I love the upward call because the journey with Jesus is not a journey at which in this life you will ever arrive. And in fact, I'm going to put forward the idea that even in eternity, you will not arrive at the ultimate destination of your relationship with Jesus because the nature of relationships is that they always go deeper because guess what? Time happens and time changes people. And even though God doesn't change, we change and there's more to know of God because he is infinite than you could ever know. So therefore, even in eternity, even in perfected eternity without sin in the universe, we will still be going deeper and deeper with Jesus. And I love this because sometimes we fall into this trap Christians often fall into this trap, I should say, of thinking, oh, I've arrived. I know all there is to know. I have a close enough walk with Jesus. It can never be closer. False. Bum, bum, <laughs> Wrong. You Wrong. can have a closer walk with Jesus today than you did yesterday. Full stop. And tomorrow, the same thing will be true. You can have a fuller, deeper walk with Jesus today than yesterday. Because every day is an opportunity to dive a little bit closer into your walk with Jesus. And I love this because this this protects us from what's one of the most dangerous places in life to be. Where you think you've arrived, so you stop walking. Mm. Jesus called us to follow him. And he says that he's the lamb and he walks and he moves. So keep that in mind. This is Karen Jaeger or Jaeger, I press on.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we are up to our last little session for our Bible study. And uh, before we do that, one more shameless plug. There's still time to get in your questions for our question of the week. And uh, the first caller in is going to get a free copy of a book called Acts of the Apostles, which goes through the life of and the story of Paul and the other early church members. You can do so by calling 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. We'd love to hear from you. All right, so what I was just saying, because I thought it was worth mentioning, because mm. I kind of cut my thought off. Sometimes the most dangerous place to be in life is to the place that you've you, arrived. to yeah. think that you've arrived. Yeah. Why? Because you stop walking with Jesus. Um, and I love this because Jesus' invitation was to be a follower, disciple. We don't think about this enough. A disciple is literally someone who follows someone else. Yeah. And the fact that you're going to follow means implicitly that Jesus is in motion, which means you are going to be in motion. If you want to follow Jesus, you must be in motion, which means you don't arrive because every time Jesus moves, you move. Every time Jesus walks, you walk. Every time Jesus stops, you stop and you wait. Every time you get the idea, like, yeah. this is so powerful. So the upward call in Jesus is one where we're ever walking closer and closer with him. This is, this is why we, we shouldn't have these arguments about, have I arrived? Have I not arrived? The question is, what's the next step? Mm. What's the next step? Where's Jesus calling? Am I walking with him? Hey, Jesus moved this way. I'm moving that way. Hey, Jesus just convicted me of something that I've never been convicted of before, and I see it plain from Scripture. Well, now now he's calling me on the next step. And the next step comes, and then Jesus calls you to another step. And the reality is, if you really want to walk with Jesus, that journey is going to continue forever. I love that. Even in a perfect world, you continue to walk with Jesus. It's emotion, it's growth, it's learning. I love that. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read 15 and 16. So therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Same mind. Same over mind. and it's over back. again. Yeah, same the mind. mind. The mind, the mind, the mind. Three times in the two paragraphs we just read. Mm. I love this. If you're mature, let us have the same mind. Right? Yeah. What mind? The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. If you are a mature follower of Jesus, if you're mature, he says, if you get it, you're going to demonstrate Christ-like behavior in your life. He says, your mind is going to be like Jesus's mind. And remember, when it said mind, in the Greek, the word there is proseo, and it means to have understanding or to think, but specifically it means the inward perspective that results or corresponds to outward actions. Mm-hmm. Right, Jesus's, Jesus's mind, when we say God is love, the reason we know this is because of what God did, did. Yeah. right? We see his working all through scripture and even most clearly in Jesus's life. We see it on the cross. This is Jesus's mind on full display. It shows itself in action, in behavior, in attitudes which are drawn from the value, the values of love. I love that. Super cool. 
And he says, have this mind. Let the same mind be in you. All right, let's keep reading because we're almost done with the chapter. And uh, then we can keep chatting about the rest of the thoughts. So let's read 17 to the end. So brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on early, earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Well done. Quite a mouthful. There's a whole lot in there because that's how Paul writes. But let's break it down with the first part. Remember, he started this chapter very early in verse 2, talking about beware of dogs Beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, which are three separate titles for the same group of false believers, right? And then he comes in, he says, brethren, he says, follow whose example? My example. My example. Now, he's not saying this from a position of greatness or glory. He's saying this from a position of persecution for Jesus. He says, follow my example. What's that example, Paul? It's, it's the example that he's replicating because he's trying to follow the same mind that Jesus had, where he's laying his life on the line for others for the sake of salvation. So follow my example, right? And elsewhere, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. I think that's in Ephesians, but I can't remember where it is. But imitate anyway. me as I imitate Christ. Boom. Isn't that powerful? And then he says this, and note those who so walk. In other words, and also... Follow the example of other people who are actually doing the same thing. He says, look, follow the example of those who are doing what Jesus did. Follow their example. So as we imitate Christ, we become a, as a friend of mine likes to call it, we become a small anchor for that person and their faith that helps them to understand that the real anchor, the big anchor, Jesus, is real. When they see it lived out in someone else's life, it impacts them in such a way that it gives them a reason to believe that what Jesus said is real, that Jesus himself is real. Because they see, and this happens all the time. If you give Bible studies to somebody, if you're ministering to someone's needs pastorally in some sense, whether you're a pastor or you're not a pastor is irrelevant, but, but caring for people's needs and sharing Jesus. People see that in you. It builds rapport. They see you. They trust you. They think it's you. And you point them to Jesus. All of a sudden, walls come down. Barriers come down and they think, man, well, I want to know this Jesus. If this Jesus is resulting in your life looking like this, that's helping me so much, I want to know him. It's powerful, man. So powerful. And then he turns he turns the corner and he starts talking about the other people. You got something to say? Go for it. I, I just want to remind our listeners that what Paul is saying, when you imitate me, don't just imitate me to imitate the Christ that is in me. Because sometimes mm. we do look at the leaders or the people that have brought us to Christ and we think, this is it. This is how I should be living my life. But no, we should always be imitating Christ. Mm. Yeah, what we see is always Christ. I love that. Because otherwise, when those people fail and fall, yeah. if your faith is built on their faith, if they stumble and they fall, which Paul is saying can happen, because he says that in the very next page, in that very next sentence, your faith is bound to crumble. But your faith should be in the Jesus that you saw in them, that even if they fall away, you won't. I love that. And, you know, he speaks to something else in here. He goes on and talks about, he, he says that, hey, 
many walk. There are many who walk. There are many who are pressing on. And then he says this, of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping. In other words, he's crying as he's writing this letter because he's brokenhearted about these people. He says that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He says these are, there are people, there are people who walk, and they, they walked with Jesus, but now, now they are actually enemies of the cross of Christ Jesus himself. People who started off as followers of Jesus who are now working against the very purposes of Jesus. That's a sobering thought because of a number of things. But one thing that that speaks to is the idea that once you're saved, you're always saved. Paul says, no, that's not true. He says, look, you can be in a saving relationship walking with Jesus and you can choose to walk away. You can, you can walk away and choose to, to, to do something different and reject Jesus and become an enemy of Christ. And this isn't so that, to say this isn't to make you live in fear, but it's to, to bring us to a sobering reality that a walk with Jesus is a daily thing that, that needs to be maintained um, to flourish. Jesus moved over there. I can't just keep walking the opposite direction, expect him to be with me. Well, let me walk with him. Let, let me follow him, actually follow. He's always here, but do we, do we treat it that way? You know, do we, do we still follow him? I love it. Powerful stuff. Um, and, and man, check this out. I love this. He says harsh words. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, right? There are people who started off following Jesus, but, but he says now their God isn't Jesus. Their God is their own pleasure, their own success, their own desires, even food, right? Like, yeah, they're in, like self-serving needs. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh man, we're running out of time quickly here, but there's one more passage I'd really like to touch on before we hit the break. And that's this. He says, oh, and there he says, they set their mind on earthly things. So they don't have a Christ-like mind. But verse 20, he says this, for our citizenship is where? In heaven. Okay, here's, what does a citizen do? We got one minute before the break. They get to vote. Okay, they get to vote. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) At least they're supposed to. Um, What else? (laughs) We get all the benefits from the government. Yeah, that's true. I want to put forward an idea. Citizens represent the kingdom to which they belong. When you're a citizen, I'm an American citizen, not an Australian citizen. I'd I'd like to have Australian citizenship. That'd be nice. But, But to me... I'm a representative of Americans. When people see me as an American, if I, if I treat them with kindness, with, with love and respect, it improves their vision of what America is. When I do the opposite, it, it brings down their view of America, right? Same thing happens. He says, we are citizens of heaven and our responsibility is that we represent the kingdom of heaven. We represent its, we have its rights, its privileges and responsibilities because we are representatives of the kingdom to which we belong. We're going to touch back on more on that after the break. Enjoy this song, What Things Were Gains to Me.
invite you to our church, the, the Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. We meet every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. to study the Bible, followed by our main service at 11.30 a.m. You can find us at 107 to 109 Princess Highway, Dapto. We are in the High Ninja Hall inside the Dapto Ribbonwood Centre. For more information, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just search for Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. Or contact us on 0402-716-762. We hope to see you soon and stay tuned to Face FM. Looking for an easy way to share a program with a friend? Tell them about the free Faith FM app where they can easily listen to hundreds of programs and podcasts. If what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Many 
Touch the sky.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. Uh, what time is it? Oh man, that version always makes me laugh. It's Welcome. Really we are super excited to have, I mean, I love this portion of the show. It's always exciting because you never know what questions you're going to get. And uh, today we have a question from Darren. Thank you so much, Darren, for your question. We're going to read that out in just a moment uh, as I get that ready. So today's question is a question about Bible prophecy, and it's a great question to ask. And the answer is mostly going to be about looking at some history. So the question is from Darren in Bible prophecy. Um, he says, Darren says, I agree with the interpretation of the Adventist church that the first beast in the end times is the papal system of the Roman Catholic church. And that the number six, six, six is the head of that system being namely the Pope. Um, but why do many other Christians believe that Caesar, the emperor Nero, one of the Caesars of the uh, early church um, period, is the man representing 666? So a couple, of, a number of things to be said. So basically, the, the first part to answering this question, Darren, is, is this. There are essentially, and I think this is helpful for everybody to know, if you're not familiar with this, it's worth researching. There are three general views. I mean, you could say there's four um, basic views that are accepted across most of Christian theology about the books of Daniel and Revelation, specifically speaking of what's called apocalyptic um, prophecies. So apocalypse is uh, the uh, comes from the Greek word apokalypsos, which means revealing, which is where we get the name revelation. So apocalypse, revelation, same thing. Um, so those four basic views are this, and I'll name the, there's one that the name I can't remember offhand, but, um, the first one is historicism. Historicism says that the prophecies of Daniel and revelation are prophecies that are being fulfilled throughout human history, extending from the time of the person who wrote them through to our present time and all the way through to the end of time. This, so that's historicism, it, the, the, that the prophecies are historical in nature from the time they were written, coming through to our time and all the way on to the end of time, the end of the world. The second view is the preterist view. And if for those English people out there, you've got the, the that's referring to similar things to the, oh, the words escape me. Anyway, preterist means past tense. It's all in the past tense. Um, so this view says that all of the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation were fulfilled essentially, maybe with a couple of exceptions in the first, by the end of the first century. Um, the third view is called futurism. Now, futurism says that all of or the, the bulk of the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation are yet to be fulfilled just a few years before the second coming of Jesus. And the fourth is, I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it basically says that it's symbolic. It's a symbolic view. It all only has a spiritual application. It doesn't refer to real historical events or real historical persons. So those are the few of the four views. The I can't remember what that technical name is, but we'll call it the, the symbolic view. And futurism, which puts it all in the future. Preterism puts it all in the past. Historicism, which says we're sitting somewhere in the history of the fulfillment of all of it. Now, now, a little bit of a history lesson on those views, and this is going to tie into the answer to your question, Darren. The traditional view of all Protestantism up until at the earliest, 
the the late 16th century, so 15 late 1500s, every Protestant church had the viewpoint of the historicist view, and that was also the case all the way up until the late 1800s. That was the dominant view among essentially all Protestants. And that view again is that starting with Daniel 2, we have a prophecy that starts from Daniel's time and goes to the end of time, to the second coming of Jesus. And then that time frame is repeated in the prophecies of Daniel 7. It starts with Daniel and goes all the way to the end of time. Daniel 8 starts with Daniel, goes to the time of the end. Daniel 11 and tw- or 10, 11 and 12, which goes from Daniel's time all the way to the end of the world. And the, the writings of Revelation start with the first century in John's life and go all the way to the end of the world um, and even extend into the judgment. Um, so that's that, the, that historicist view. So I'm just looking at my time, running out of time quickly. So that was believed by all Protestants up until the introduction of the two views, um, futurism and preterism. Now, here's an interesting fact to note about these things. Where did they come from and what were their response to? So during the Protestant Reformation in 1517, for example, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses up on the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And he said, these are 95 problems that I have with how our larger church organization is working that are not scriptural. He says, these are not according to scripture. And that's 500 years ago. That's 1517. At this point, everybody who's a Protestant is essentially believes that prophecy is being fulfilled from the time it was written until the end of the world, that we're somewhere in the middle. Now, as a response, because that identified the the beast power with the papal Roman system, the, the connection of the medieval church with the authority and the government um, of the state during that time period of the Roman church. So in that space, there was a group, uh, a Jesuit person, so a Jesuit priest, which is a division of Roman Catholicism, um, well-learned group of people. And he was a part of the Counter-Reformation, which was a movement against the Reformation to deal with the Protestant Reformation. And the name of the person who, who first came up with the idea of preterism was Luis de Alcazar, who lived from 1554 to 1613. And his first work, which was a systematic exposition, putting all of the fulfillment of prophecy into the past tense, um, which meant that the Roman Catholic Church, the papal system, could, could not be a part of that interpretation, was published in 1614. The first person to put forward the futurist view was Francisco Ribera, who was also a a Jesuit writer, and he lived from 1537 to 1591. So notice both of these movements started after, as a response to the Protestant Reformation, which held the historicist position, which identified the papal system at the time to be corrupt and to be the beast of prophecy, um, which goes to your question. Um, So look those two things up. Futurism, preterism, you can check those out versus historicism. Um, I believe that I'm a historicist. I believe that that position is is correct to scripture and accurate. It's worth investigating. The The third view or the fourth view, sorry, comes much later and is, isn't probably so much on topic. But the last thing I want to say is with these um, things. So why is it that today, if all of Protestantism virtually was historicist, um, through this time, even in the midst of the Counter-Reformation. The interesting thing is that up until around the late 1800s, early 1900s, 
that was still the position of most Protestant churches. And it actually has come about much later that all of a sudden there's been a big boost in futurism and preterism and scholarship. Um, and so that's kind of the answer to that question. So hopefully that's helpful to you, Darren. And we pray that you'll be blessed in your search. And uh, this next tune is coming up. Please don't wash my feet. Wash me all over
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Faith FM. It always takes me a, a bit of time to get used to saying somebody else's name. It's just like, it's just funny. Anyway, it's fun. It, all, it keeps name. it all interesting because I've name. done it. A, it is a good name. It's a good person to have on the show. Um, but we are up to the last session of our time. And uh, something that we love to do here on Real Faith is we want to make it real. That's kind of the idea, the title of the show. And the basically means that we need to look at how can we apply what we've learned today from our Bible study in real life. And we didn't really get to finish off all of the things that I wanted to say on the last session. We ran out of time, but we'll get to say some more now. Mm. Do you have anything you'd like to say to, for a start? Any applications to draw out of today's lessons? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Oh man, just like, hang on. Counting the costs and um, oh, never feeling like you've been you've arrived. Oh, I like that. That following Jesus is always a journey. That's right. That it's in motion. That you're growing, you're developing. When He moves, you move. You know, one of the things that that helps protect us from mm. is comparing ourselves with others and feeling better than other people. It also protects us from feeling worse than other people because it means my eyes are not on you and your journey. My eyes are on Jesus and my journey. What's the next step? He said, walk here. So I'll walk here. And I'm not better than you because Jesus is walking with you. We can learn from each other, but we're not the barometer for where my Christianity should be. Jesus is. And I like that. That's really good. It's a, it's a protective thing. I love, um, there's so much that I love in this chapter, but the one thing that really sticks out to me is the citizenship idea. And I love that Paul says, hey man, we are citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I love this because he's, again, he says that, he says we're citizens. Now, if I'm a citizen of heaven, that means that my values should identify and line up with the values of heaven. Yeah. It says that my belief system, my actions, my words should all be informed by the values of heaven not by the values of the world in which I'm living because I'm ba I'm like a foreign national. You know what I mean? And Paul also calls us ambassadors for Christ in second Corinthians five, verse 20. He says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Well, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is a citizen of a kingdom or a nation who comes to another place to represent that nation and to help other people on their journey to becoming citizens of that nation and to work with their people in that place. You know what I mean? And so I love this because this is saying that if you're a follower of Jesus, your citizenship is not in the world. So don't worry about what the world thinks of you. Worry about what Jesus thinks of you. Mm. Don't behave off of the values of the world. Behave off of the values of the kingdom of heaven. Let the same mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you and me. And I love that. We, we should adhere to the principles, values, and laws of our citizenship, even when we're not in that place. And I love that. Any other thoughts? Other applications? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I just like that. Yeah. Let, let us be of the same mind. Have the same mind. Where do we have the same mind? Being citizens of heaven. Because when you're of the same mind, it's because you, you're hanging out with the person. You're, you're doing life with the person. Mm. It's you eat and you, you grieve together. Um, that's, yeah. And I think that's what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants to do it. all those things with us. I love it. There was something else that was said in there that I thought was really powerful. And seeing as I just celebrated a wedding anniversary, it's, it's kind of- <gasps> Congratulations. This, oh, thank you. It was last weekend. It's all right. I, but uh, you thank you. You didn't forget. I, no, I didn't forget. We did something. I think I talked about it last week too. But um, the, there's, a, there's a line. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will transform us, et cetera, et cetera. But I love this idea. What does it mean to eagerly wait for something? If you're eagerly waiting, is it passive? No, it's, it's Christmas Eve and I'm waiting for it to open my gifts on Christmas Day. Right, so you're thinking about it, yeah. you're planning, you're preparing. And I think that this is a really helpful illustration. Jesus says, watch and wait, right? Like, we're waiting for Jesus to return, but that waiting should not be passive, it should not be inactive. We think about waiting and we're like, oh yeah, sitting on the bus stop doing nothing, waiting for the bus, no, 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 no. It's more like you're waiting for your wedding day. There's lots to prepare for. You know it's coming, right? So you're preparing your heart. You're, you're getting the flowers organized. You're, you're mentally preparing. You're practicing saying your vows or you're writing your vows, right? Like you're getting the outfits picked out. You're getting the invitations sent. You're getting people plugged in. You're organizing the food. You're dealing with the RSVPs, right? You're, you're actively, you're doing probably marital, premarital counseling and getting ready. Like the point is you're waiting for that day, but you're waiting for it eagerly, looking forward to its coming and hastening its coming and being prepared for the event. And this is the way that I believe Jesus is calling us to wait for him. We're not supposed to sit around twiddling our thumbs doing nothing. We're supposed to be walking with him, thinking of him, talking of him, sharing him with other people, inviting others into that space, being a servant so that other people may see Jesus's life and teachings in action in our lives. This is what it means to wait eagerly. And I think that that's a really great illustration. You don't just sit around and be like, oh yeah, everything will be done. The wedding will show up and we'll just, I mean, someone else will have done everything. So there's a bunch of jokes that you could say there about men, but we won't, we won't go there. Anyway, those are some of the applications. One last application is people can choose to walk away. And I think we need to check ourselves regularly by coming to God in prayer and honest reflection with confession and repentance and not to think that we've arrived but to come into a place where we're talking to Jesus about our walk with him regularly. I love that. All right, guys, well, may God bless you. We pray that you will walk with him each day. And uh, remember, as you're out there, that real faith is live faith. faith.
death over him had no claim for Jesus was raised so that all might be saved believe and break free from sin's chains won't you look to At the foot of that 